It is the 200 level. Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Sunday morning after Illinois. I'd say get off. They got off the schneid, but that's not really what happened. They weren't on a schneid, so to speak, as they had only lost one game before that against Penn State. But we've used that term schneid before to indicate a slump or a stretch of games that you weren't winning or struggling with. And for me, that was kind of what was going on for the last five or six weeks, even though Illinois was still winning a decent clip of games and occasionally winning a game that you got excited about. And that's why the win at Maryland, juxtaposed with the loss at Penn State, was a little bit jarring. The reason the Maryland game excited me as much as it did, and that's over a week ago now, is that you went on the road and you closed out a game against a team that was a bad matchup for you. And we've seen this for years now, but when you got a point guard like they have and a big like Julian Reese, you just wanted to escape with the win, and that's exactly what they did. And even though the defense was not on the whole great at Maryland, it was when it counted late. Or I should say, if not great, they got the stops they needed. And that, to me, was a sign of progress. And then Penn State happens. And giving up 90 points, that's bad enough. Choking in the last 40 seconds, that makes it even worse. But I think the reason that that game bothered me as much as it did and really set me off on a weird path before the Iowa game yesterday was all the issues that I and many Illini fans have had with the Brad Underwood experience, acknowledging that overall it's been very good. All the issues we've had came bubbling right back up to the surface in that loss at Penn State, whether that be a lack of in-game adjustments, inability to close out games late for this team, maybe more than a Brad Underwood thing, and a seeming lack of urgency from a team that had something right in front of them. I don't know what the likelihood of Illinois winning a Big Ten title was going into that Penn State game. I thought, what the heck? Let's see what happens, and let's just win some games and make that Purdue game count for something. I felt like there was probably going to be another loss between now and the end of the season that would keep you from winning a Big Ten title. But when you got that close to winning the Penn State game and that close to making each and every game after that be that much more meaningful, and then you blow it, and you blow it with a bunch of 22 to 23-year-olds, that was something that I really struggled with the last few days. To the point of, you know, before the Iowa game, I was this close to saying, you know what, I'm not going to watch it. I need a break. I need a mental break from it. Now, come on, who are we kidding? I watched it. I watched all of it pretty much, except for a couple minutes after I got frustrated and said, I'm not watching this. And then, well, what do you know? Two minutes later, I turn it back on. This is fandom. This is fanboy carp, as the Twitter moniker would have it. And it seems like I'm not alone in that, but there are some people that think, Jesus, carp, you got to chill. Quit being so reactionary. So why was I in such a mindset yesterday going into that game? As I mentioned before, it's just, it felt like a missed opportunity and it felt like we were wasting away a good offense. But then the game starts against Iowa, and while there were frustrations much through the first 30 minutes, I noticed that the game took on this sort of desperate quality to it that at least indicated to me that Brad Underwood recognized, uh uh-oh, we got to figure this out and we got to figure it out fast. And that was a far cry from what we saw at Penn State where you had a game just slip away from you and a coach that just sort of shrugged his shoulders and said, I don't know, what do you want from me? No, instead, he forced the issue. Desperate times, desperate measures. And that's where you were at a few minutes into that second half against Iowa. We get the hockey substitution. Five new guys come in. What was it? Nico, Amani Hansberry, Luke Goody, 
Justin Harmon, Dane. I think that was your lineup. By no means perfect. But they basically played scratch with Iowa. It was a two-point game when they left. And remember that when the starters came back in, it's not as if they were guns blazing right away. It actually was Iowa took a six- or seven-point lead. But then I noticed that for the last 10 minutes of the game, it did appear as if Illinois and those starters, something flipped. The light switch flipped on, and they were finally playing with some defensive intensity. I noted that Illinois had given up 29 points to Iowa in the first 10 and a half minutes of that second half. 29 points. Easily on their way to getting 50 in that half. With two and a half minutes to go in that half. So that's a span of seven game regulation minutes. I think Illinois had given up nine or 11 points. Now, there have been stats that have been more impressive than that. But given how important this game was and given the fact that your defense had struggled so mightily and given that Iowa is a pretty good offensive team, all those things combined made me feel a lot better down the stretch. And yes, Iowa did score enough down the stretch to finish that second half with, what was that, 44 points in the second half. But when 29 of those came so early, I don't know. I feel like I can kind of live with that. Now... As we sit here on a Sunday morning and I'm reflecting on that game and looking forward to the last four regular season games, by no means are we out of the woods yet. And we have a defense that still fundamentally is not good at the moment. But I think yesterday showed us at least signs that they can't be good. And I think the chorus is not so much, can they be a good defense? The question is, can they be good enough? Good enough, whatever that would be. And the fact is, as you wake up on this Sunday morning, Illinois has, according to Ken Palm, the number four best offense in the country. They moved up a spot. For context, in 04-05, they had the third best offense, according to Ken Palm, in the country. That's the kind of offense we're talking about. And no, is it perfect? No. Are there moments where maybe you get sick of the booty ball or feel like there's not enough movement? Maybe so, but the fact remains, they are scoring, and they're basically scoring at will. If you can just couple that with a a serviceable defense or back to the thing I'll echo the rest of the year, good enough, good enough, then yeah, this team could make some noise. Do I believe that in my heart of hearts right now? Not necessarily. I need to see more. But I do think the last 10 minutes of that game yesterday were overall a step in the right direction. So we're going to talk about that today. We got some of your thoughts on Twitter about whether or not your confidence level changed after that Iowa game. And we'll look forward to the last four regular season games and also address a little bit of, you know, the fan roller coaster that I rode, but I think a lot of other people rode. Some of you on Twitter, according to reactions, weren't riding that at all. Everything was hunky dory. And I'm going to, after this sponsor break, get to uh, something I tweeted it out and I want to clarify and discuss the. Very intense reaction I got to it. What is it? (laughs) We went to Huber's after the game and ran into a friend, LaConte, who's uh, been a teacher and a coach around here for a while, and he's a big Dave fan. He's like, what is it like getting all that stuff on Twitter? I've had the champagne showers. They reached out and said, geez, like you were a lightning rod for this. I'm not going to pretend as if I don't put reactionary things out there, but I've tried my very best to find the humor in the absolute vitriol that sometimes comes back my direction. You got to laugh at it. And I would also admit myself that I can be 
a little ridiculous. But it's fandom. So embrace it. Embrace the ridiculousness of it. All right, our sponsors, DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the, all the best deals and prices. Find them on dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Get a custom zone with any toppings you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone online at dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Let them brighten your winter blues. I know it's warm outside, but listen to this deal they got. $1,000 off any Bradford white water heater, Renai tankless water heater, or Bosch mini split unit when you buy a Lennox home comfort system. No gimmicks, no hidden fees. Just $1,000 in savings when you call Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. 217-841-4728. That's 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, Owen Builders LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Home additions, patios, decks, a gallery of their excellent work online at owenbuildersllc.com. And not just are they great at what they do construction-wise, but as far as contractors go, and many of you know this, if you work with people, it can be difficult to communicate and, and get the project done in the timeline that you hope for. Not so with owenbuildersllc.com. Also, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them. And appreciate you for watching on YouTube. I think we got a couple snuck in here. I, I didn't really publicize when we'd be starting this because Sunday mornings are nice and easy, just kind of ease into the day. Um, but I, I see a few people in there, and I know that a lot of people are starting to watch the replays as well. So you can subscribe on our YouTube feed. Here's a tweet that I had yesterday, and I want to just kind of react to the reaction. It's, just, it's almost like a sociological experiment just going on Twitter. I had tweeted out at halftime. I believe it was halftime. Has an Illini basketball team so quickly fallen from likable to unlikable? Now, this thing got 19,000 views, apparently. Whether it be 63 people who replied or 81 people who liked it. That's what they call a ratio. When it's split like that, that means you put something controversial out there. I don't see what's controversial about this. I didn't say I hated them. I said that they were unlikable. And if you were one that liked this team at halftime yesterday, good on you. You're much more patient and forgiving than I am. Because what I was seeing was a bunch of 22 and 23-year-olds not play defense with any real intensity, continue to struggle in late half, late game situations, and make some boneheaded moves along the way. If you found them still likable at that point, you are a nicer person than me. I don't, I don't think that's controversial. And I'm not going to take too much time on this, but I do think it speaks to fandom and the fact that sports are really a quick trigger kind of thing, right? It's an emotional thing. So sometimes when we're pissed off or when we see someone else more pissed off than we are, we're either trying to match that level or react against it. And good Lord, that, that just seemed to blow up it, just between the, oh, you're an awful fan. You all that have listened to this podcast know I have never told someone how to fan. And if you want to respond to something like that with vitriol behind it, that's your prerogative as a fan, as someone that follows me. I think the easier thing would be if I really piss you off that much, just mute me for Christ's sakes. I actually went and I think on Twitter, I have like 350 people muted. I don't block, I mute. And here is what I mute. 
if someone replies to me with com- something that's just not even constructive at all and just either smart ass or insult or whatever it may be, mute because I, I don't need that. But guess what? Like whack-a-mole, they keep dredging up and it usually always happens when things are not going good and when I vocalize the things are not going good. I saw a turd in the punch bowl. I said, guys, there's a turd in the punch bowl and that pissed people off. Why can't we hold two things and two truths in two different hands? Immediately after the game, I gave credit where it was due to Brad Underwood for making a desperate call in that second half that I think did have something to do with the intensity going up. And sure enough, people will dredge up the tweet at halftime when if you, again, if you like the team, you are a saint. At that moment, I did not like the team at all. Why can't both be true? It's a game. It changed in the course of one half to the next. From the first half to the second half, and more specifically, the last 10 minutes of the game, things changed. That's sports. It could be the same way that I got a favorite band and they release albums. And if their last album sucked at that moment, I'm not going to like the band as much. But then if they come out with a really good album to follow that up, then I'm going to start liking them again. People would view that cynically as, man, you're riding too much of a roller coaster. I guess, but my God... That's fandom. Are you not riding the roller coaster? If you were at State Farm Center yesterday at halftime, did you feel that great going into that 15-minute break? I didn't. So I just find that to be a really interesting thing that always seems to happen on Twitter. If you were watching it out yesterday at Esquire or something like that, or even Huber's, I guarantee that there were groans and ugh when Iowa got the baseball pass at the end of the first half. And there were probably far worse things being said than, you know what, this team's a little bit unlikable right now. I just, I I sometimes am befuddled how things get that much of a reaction. If that's really going to piss you off that much, just mute me for Christ's sake. It's just the easiest thing to do. But I do think, and I do stand by where I was at at halftime. An old team struggling to put it together. Now, it did occur to me in the second half and probably should have occurred to me earlier in the game. After the kind of loss that you faced to Penn State, any win, whether it be by a point or 20, was going to be a success because that kind of loss at Penn State, that is hard to come back from. And yeah, was I pissed off at the team for blowing it? A hundred percent. I'm still not completely over the Penn State game because I worry that it could cost you a chance at a Big Ten title. And those are elusive. Those are hard to get. And you don't want to look back on a game like that as more costly than it has to be. But as that Iowa game unfolded, it's like, well, wait a second. This is a team just trying to figure themselves out right now. Let's grant them a little bit of grace. This is me in the second half. Grant them a little bit of grace and just say, get the one point win and move on. But we actually got something a little bit more than that. And this is why there is can you believe it? Positivity today. I can ride both waves. I can. It was the fact that this team, more than just escaping with a win, which is what I assumed they would do even five, six minutes in the second half, things were looking great, but I thought, you know what? Ultimately, I bet they escape and we don't feel that great about it. But to their credit, the last 10 minutes of regulation showed not just them finding a way to win, but actual, I hope, fingers crossed, progress on the defensive front. And there were a string of possessions where Iowa was not getting a good look. Free throws, that's how most of the points were scored from basically the 10-minute mark to the 5-minute mark of regulation. Both teams went 
oddly cold from the field, but Illinois less so than Iowa. And I do think that the defensive intensity had something to do with it. I think Taryn Shannon on Perkins had a lot to do with it because Iowa wasn't able to as easily get into their sets. Following Mike Latulip, who's a far smarter basketball person than most, and definitely a lot smarter than me with basketball, he really keyed in on the fact that Illinois was switching less and that Terrence being on Perkins like, like flies on crap in that second half, that was a major reason why I was off and struggle. And I would agree with that. And it was nice to see Underwood make a concerted effort to say, we're going to do something different. We've already talked about the hockey substitution. That is, I think, as meatball-y as it may sound, the symbolic kind of coaching gesture that actually worked. Even though I had a friend text me like, what are we doing here? And I said, I don't know. We'll see. But it worked. And because it worked, you got to give the credit for it. And one last thing about the hockey substitution. The criticism that I levied against Brad Underwood more than anything after the Penn State game was the stagnation, the the lack of a willingness to change things up, to just let it kind of fall. Like you see a fire and you just let it engulf the entire house in flames. And it's like, well, could you please go get a hose or something, a bucket, anything right now? The house is burning down, Brad. Well, guess what? He tried something against Penn or against Iowa in a way that he didn't against Penn State. And that kind of urgency, I will take a desperate move over no move at all when things aren't going good. That's a credit to Brad Underwood. And I tweeted that as such after the game. But back to the progress part of this and why if you're looking for potential long-term positives from a a hard-fought win against Iowa, where the final score maybe wasn't indicative of how close it was for most of it. But nonetheless, you still won by 10. You still scored 95 points. Here's the positive. In the last 10 minutes against a top 15 offense, you held them to, I don't know, what was it, four or five field goals, something like that. And they got a handful of free throws as well. But you slowed down their offensive pace considerably, and most of those shots were very well challenged. So it wasn't just a matter of a team going cold. And if you want to go back in hindsight to the first half, some view the defensive intensity is a little bit better, but Iowa was just making shots. I I was waffling between that. But then I think, okay, Iowa, a team that's pretty good at shooting mid-range anyway, a lot of those were still contested as well. So as Mike Latulip had pointed out either last night or this morning in a tweet thread or a tweet conversation with somebody, you saw Iowa regress to the mean. They started missing some of those contested mid-range jumpers. So what we ultimately saw yesterday, knowing that Brad Underwood doesn't like to give up the three, and I don't like to give up the three either. It would always drive me nuts when Illini teams would overhelp, and then that would lead to an open three in the corner. I'm like, no, don't give up the three. Let the guy have the two. Well, this year it's been almost to the other extreme where teams have been getting the twos way too easily and we're finding out just how frustrating that can be. But to Underwood's credit and to the team's credit, that played perfectly into their hands in the last 10 minutes of that game. It allowed Illinois to pull away. It kept forcing Iowa to shoot contested mid-range jumpers, not get anything easy from the perimeter, and finally not get as many easy things at the rim. Owen Freeman, for example, not a great game yesterday. And that allowed you to pull away. Because the offense for Illinois, it was going to keep chugging. 
uh, them getting 95 points against this Iowa team, not a shock. And what a world we're living in where Iowa, or where Illinois, excuse me, is just willy-nilly getting 90-plus points in Big Ten games with seemingly no problem. That's rare, and I'm, I'm really appreciating that from this team, and I want it to amount to something in March. But it only amounts to something if the defense, as I mentioned in the opening segment, can be good enough. And yesterday they were. And more importantly, they were good enough when it mattered the most in crunch time. So overall, if you said, and this is going to lead to the question that I asked on Twitter this morning, and I got a few replies to go through. That leads to the question of, okay, well, are you any more confident in this team after the Iowa game than before? And I'm waffling on that because I think, of course, I'm a little bit more confident, but not maybe to some huge extent because the Penn State games and the Michigan State games, the Nebraska late game situation, and even all the way back to at Northwestern, or even take the Indiana game at home. Indiana sucks. And yet, you allowed Xavier Johnson and co. to hang with you. You won the game. It's, that's, that's an afterthought. That's one of those, you look in the media guide and you don't really remember many things about it a couple years from now. But there were enough moments in the last five, six weeks where there were more than chinks in the armor. This was a yellow red alarm fire that was saying, hey, you got a major issue here and it's got to get fixed. And because of the way the Michigan State games and the Penn State games unfolded, it didn't feel like there was a lot of hope in it getting fixed. But where I do find some confidence today for a team that was driving me mad with a lack of urgency, for a bunch of older guys that didn't seem to get it at Penn State, that guys, you can't afford to slip. You've got to win these games if you want to win a Big Ten title, which I assume they did after Coleman's tweet after Ohio State beat Purdue last week. Maybe it just required one more huge wake-up call. And are you going to get a bigger wake-up call than blowing an eight-point lead with 40 seconds to go? Is there such a thing as a bigger wake-up call than that? I I don't know. Now, I would prefer to have the wake-up call and still have a chance at the Big Ten title, and I don't think we're going to get that together, unfortunately. But if we are sacrificing a potential Big Ten title share for that big wake-up moment that leads them to a couple wins in March, I'm going to take that. And I think most Illini fans would take that too. So my confidence level today is slightly higher. If only for, okay, Penn State was awful. It could not have been any worse. And that might have been the shake-up that this team needed. You might be saying, well, Carp, they didn't really have that shakeup moment in the first half. Yeah, and that could potentially be the fact that you were still in that hangover phase from, from blowing that game. I certainly was. I, I just didn't have it in me like I normally do would for an Illinois-Iowa game yesterday. My concerns were far beyond just beating a rival. It was, is this team okay? Is this team possibly broken? And there were some really dark questions, which might have informed, hey, I don't find them very likable right now. <gasps> Controversial. But I don't know. I mean, weren't you worried as well? I was worried that things were starting to slip. And that would have been so disheartening. Just such a buzzkill after a lot of things we've seen this year that indicate, you know what, this team would have a shot 
depending on matchups, they would have a shot to do something in March. So here's the question that I asked people on Twitter today and got a few responses to go through. How did yesterday's win over the Hawkeyes impact your confidence level in this Illini team going forward? So just focusing on yesterday, did how did it impact it, right? And this is from Jacob to start. And Jacob, before I get to yours, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. All right. And also, I'm going to get on and see if there's anybody. And by the way, hello to the 14 people. Hi, guys. Uh, if there's anything that you want to add to this as well in the chat window, how did your confidence level in this team change based on that win? And hey, Brad P., I already got yours. I'll get to you in a second. From Jacob. It was great that they won, and holding Iowa to 35% in the second half was a huge improvement. They did look more active on D, just need to see that intensity from here on out. The use of the bench is encouraging and could be a game changer. Go 3-1 and one in the last four, and we talk three seed. Jacob, we will... Well, let's talk about the last four right now. Here's the latest on Ken Palm. You move up to 11 in the nation behind Creighton, who has moved up after that UConn win. But you were fourth in the nation in offense and 57th in uh, defense, or 56, excuse me. 57th, I apologize. Now, the last four games here, Minnesota at home on Wednesday, Wisconsin on the road Saturday, Purdue at home next Tuesday, and Iowa Sunday, March 10th. Now, Ken Palm projects you to go 2-2. Two and two. I think that's fair, assuming that a game at Wisconsin and a game against Purdue at home, those are going to be tough. I would agree, Jacob, that three and one, maybe that gets you back into the three seed conversation, especially if you beat Purdue. But I think more importantly, well, not more importantly, because the three seed is very important, and that's why the Penn State game, one of the reasons why it was so frustrating. Seems like you might have lost that chance at a three seed. But I don't know if that's over if you were to beat a Purdue, and if you win both of those games against Wisconsin and Purdue, what the heck? If this team, though, to your point, goes three and one in the last four, I think we're all feeling pretty good. That would be one quality win, one quad one win either at Wisconsin or at home against Purdue, which is like quad one double A. Like that's really big if you were to beat a one seed, what will be an NCAA tournament one seed. A win at Iowa would feel good, and I assume would be a quad one win as well. Three and one the last four, Jacob. I think we're feeling pretty positive going in the Big Ten tournament. From David. Nice to see Coleman play within himself and the offense impressed, especially given that TSJ and Marcus were off their game. But defensively still not looking like it's tightening up like it should, and the metrics continue to slide away from deep run potential going into March. And yes, I think the the defensive metric took another hit yesterday. I don't think there's a chance that you're going to find yourself back in the top 50 defensively on Ken Palm. And yeah, they're only numbers, but they tend to be fairly predictive of March success. So, David, I think that going forward, I, I, I tweeted yesterday before the game, it's just all eye test at this point. It's just all eye test, which will inform how confident we are when those brackets are revealed. From Evan, great bounce back win. I still have concerns def- uh, defensively, though, and would like to see us win in different ways that isn't just scoring 90+. plus. Don't have concerns about the offense at all, but the tourney is weird, and if we have one night offense, one off night offensively, I don't want to... S- don't see this team being able to bear down defensively and get enough stops. Evan, that's my concern too. There was a moment in the game yesterday where any stop they got against Iowa just felt like, phew, we escaped. And I don't, man, should defense feel that way? Should a winning defense feel that way? Probably not. This is from Brian. 
It improved slightly. We rebounded after a tough loss, and the defense, despite giving up 85 points, showed more effort. We forced a lot of tough twos. It was also good to see Hawkins show up with a huge game. Brad mentioned that they had a get-real talk, and he responded. I noticed that, Brian, in the postgame, where Brad said we had a a get-real talk, and it was a long conversation, according to Brad Underwood. Coleman didn't really elaborate on it, but, you know, that was the worst Coleman game you could have asked for at Penn State. And that was the best Coleman game you could have asked for against Iowa. Now, he wished that you didn't have to ride that roller coaster with the senior. And Coleman being a mercurial guy whose legacy at Illinois is going to depend on who you're asking. Some love him. Some can't stand him. That's not going to change. Well, other than a deep March run, that would certainly put everybody on his side. But however you got there, as frustrating as it is that it took the Penn State debacle to do that, If this unlocks good Coleman for the rest of the year, fantastic. Regardless, he was, Brian, as you mentioned, fantastic yesterday. From Justin, the most encouraging thing was Brad making a drastic in-game adjustment that paid off for the most part. Hopefully that will carry into March. Great to see Coleman bounce back immediately after such a bad game, too. Won't be fully confident until they string more wins together. Yeah, Justin, I think that is what encourages me as well. Think about big games where Brad has not really changed a lot. I'll give you a more recent example. Against Arkansas last year, I think Matthew Meyer was just checked out. Don't get me started on Matthew Meyer. I, I shouldn't even mention his name. But he played all the way through like 10 minutes left in that second half. And we're watching that game and we're reacting like, get him out. He doesn't care. He lost his freaking shoe at one point in the game. And that happens, but it's just such a Matthew Meyer thing to have happened. But you kept playing him, and finally, just you cut your losses. But it still felt like even that was taking too long to cut your losses. You continue to throw out the same lineup really a lot last year without trying different things, and eventually it just kind of bit you. We know that the biggest example of not being desperate enough was the Loyola game, and that's the crux of a lot of this conversation, right? I mean, that is just such an albatross on this Brad Underwood era right now. And as I'm watching that game, part of the sleepiness of it was the fact that we weren't really doing anything differently. We weren't forcing the issue. And not that that would have led to a win anyways, but 40 minutes of game time elapsed and it didn't really feel like you tried anything different. Now, maybe there were things that Brad Underwood was doing out of desperation late, but from what I recall, and from a lot of you probably recall, that experience was all the more painful because you were just staying the course, and it wasn't working. So, Justin, I agree with that. It was a drastic move. It was a desperate move. It paid off yesterday. If you find yourself in a situation in the NCAA tournament where you are sucking for 25 minutes, I don't mind a desperate move. I don't. If you recall against Houston, I think you put R.J. Melendez in there and said, what the hell? Give us something, kid. And he did. You might find yourself in that spot in a second round NCAA tournament matchup. And I I am encouraged to see Brad Underwood is at least willing to say, you know what? What the hell? Let's roll with it. From Dave. Last 10 minutes gave me so much more hope for the defense. Sitting the starters early in the second half was a great move by Underwood. Just got to continue the momentum. Also, Nicolo. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned him yet. He looks like a natural out there as far as a point guard. And defensively, we know that that is a major concern. 
But to his credit, he kept his guys in front of him. He did have, he did cough up a few fouls because he got beat off the dribble. But you know what? I mean, he had minutes to burn. He had fouls to burn. I don't mind that. Nikola looked great. And I, you aren't going to be able to bottle that up and get that every game. But I do think that gave you a different kind of look on offense. And it allowed a Damask and a Terrence and a Coleman, which they all tend to do in different, in varying degrees, play off the ball for an entire offensive possession. He was finding guys. He was finding angles. He was making things happen. I think he did finish with three assists, but it felt like he was much more impactful. And the two threes, I mean, he's got a great looking shot. So... I think you do continue to sneak him out there. I don't expect that kind of level of production. I don't expect him to be the difference between this team making a Sweet 16 or not. But I do think he can be a factor in a couple more wins. Maybe more. I don't know. Maybe you capture lightning in a bottle here. And now his confidence is sky high. And you ride that. 17 minutes for Nicolo Moretti. 17 in a game you had to win. Hey, it worked. Brad Underwood stuck with it. That's fine. And what led him to put him out there in the first place? A move of desperation. And that worked out too. So credit to Underwood for making that choice. I remember thinking when they made it, why not Dre Gibbs Longhorn? But hey, it worked. From Aaron, always sweet to beat Iowa. Yes, absolutely, Aaron. Have had some many uh, very entertaining games against them at home over the last several years. And actually, Aaron, now that I think about it, I think you beat them in all those home games. So Kudos to Underwood. Aaron continues, encouraged to see some good game coaching, encouraged to see what a point guard could do for them. Not sure it really moves the needle a whole lot, though. And I think those are all fair, right? And there are some replies here from Aaron, unless he... I'll just read all these, Aaron. These are good. It's hard to determine growth in general Big Ten in Big Ten games at home. Encouraged to see bounce-back games from Harmon and Hawkins and spark off the bench. Kind of what... Kind of know what this team is. They have uh, mentally processed that it's likely not a second weekend team. A baby step improvement on defense. I'm not near as excited about the slight improvement as Latulip was in the postgame. I still think Illinois coverage is way too predictable. I still saw plenty of open shots in the first half. Can they catch fire a few games and be a tough out in March? Possibly. I hope it happens, but I wouldn't bet on it. Do the seniors and super seniors want it? It's up to them. Defending their butt off and avoiding a poor shooting night will be key to making a run. Can they get mentally and physically locked in at the same time? I don't know. The Penn State loss and the mental processing after that with the Iowa bounce back has gotten me to recalibrate expectations a bit in order to watch them without stressing the blank out. Aaron, uh, you and I are, I think, on pretty similar wavelengths there. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot to digest, but I think, Aaron, the crux of it I want to focus on is the seniors and the super seniors. How bad do they want it? And we know they want it, right? We know they want it, but the the teams that win in March, they just play like a chicken with their head cut off. Not in a bad way, but in terms of intensity, they just go. Just do that. I mean, what I don't want is, and what I fear, would be a second round loss or even a first round loss, depending on the matchup, you don't know, where you're watching the game and you're like, Jesus, guys, you're, this is your last game. If you're going to go out, you've got to go out balls to the wall. It's why a Quincy has been so maddening. And hey, the first half with him, encouraging. But man, what a weird five, six weeks it's been for him. It's like, how are you checked out? This is it. There's no other opportunities in college ball for you. This is it. Why would you not go balls to the wall? And that goes for all of them. And the lack of the lack of day school defense from a bunch of veterans like that, 
Back to the unlikable tweet I had. How could you find that even remotely likable? How would that not get under your skin as a fan to see a bunch of older guys, veterans, in their last opportunity not defend? That's why I was so ticked off. That's why I was finding them unlikable. And then, hey, yeah, they had a stretch in the second half where they looked like that likable team again. That's sports. That can happen. That's the pendulum swinging. Aaron is a little bit less convinced that yesterday means a whole lot. And I, I understand that. I'm, I'm probably a little bit more that side than I am yesterday, you know, drastically changing what this team can do. I think what they can accomplish is about the same as it was a month or two ago. What they can accomplish. And this is what makes it so frustrating and possibly encouraging. It's all up to the defense. And it does feel like, God, guys, if you just walk in and just play your butts off defensively, you are going to be a really tough out. If you're a team game planning against Illinois, you are not having a lot of fun game planning against that offense. You're thinking, man, just let's hope their their defense looks like it did for that stretch in January and February. That's what you're hoping for. And you might get that. But man, if Illinois can just control the controllables here, and that does include defensive intensity. If the defensive intensity is there, I don't know what's stopping this team in the first two rounds. And then you roll the dice against better teams or higher seeds in the third and fourth rounds. I so badly want to see them get to that. And it would be such a kick in the gut if they flame out in the second round, giving up 90 points, even to a good team. That would be a bummer. Losing 90 to 88, <laughs> that, that would suck because it would have been something that we saw a mile away, right? And, and I just, like Aaron is kind of mentioning here, the stress uh, that, that's kind of building up, it's, it's years of not making the second weekend combined with the last five or six weeks seeing this defense slip to the degree to which they have. And Aaron, I'm right there with you. But yet, we still know they can do it. And that's what's so vexing about it. And I know there's a lot of other teams that would probably say the same thing. Of course, we can make a run, but will we? But this Illinois team in particular, we know for sure that they can, that they're able, that they have the talent to do so. So as far as the spectrum, if one side is can they and the other side is will they, to me, there's no question about the can for Illinois. It's all about will they exert themselves defensively as they should. From David. Let me get some water here. Sorry. <clears throat> no breaks on the 200 level. From David. Yesterday's win doesn't erase the sting of the MSU and PSU meltdowns. It does give me hope of potential future adjustments and getting away from Brad's stubbornness and just riding with his guys when everyone can see that something isn't working. In parentheses, David mentions Loyola. And David, I'm very much in the same with you. You know, the Michigan State game, perhaps it was because my wife and I were up there and that's her alma mater and it was a Christmas gift and just enjoying the weekend that we had up there. And it is a cool campus. That meltdown didn't bother me as much at the time. And then I woke up and thought, ooh, that's, that's not good. That, that is a meltdown. It was such a quick change of fortune in the last five minutes of that game where I was maybe shell-shocked. I didn't really process it, but yeah, that was bad. The PSU game was historically bad. So that'll linger. That'll linger, and well, it'll linger until it doesn't. And <laughs> the only thing that would help it not linger is 
you all you already know it's like it's a chorus amongst Illini fans making the second weekend from Tyler they bounced back from a really bad loss and proved they have some grit that's I totally agree with that Tyler this team is so talented and deep offensively that even if a guy has an off night there is someone else there to step up if they bring the effort on defense they are tough and I still expect a sweet 16 run Tyler I think if they bring defensive intensity I would agree it's a better than 50% shot they make the Sweet 16. And sometimes that's all you can ask for going into March Madness. From Grant, we'll know more in the coming games. Would like to continue to see a 9-11 man rotation, fresh legs, less Damas dribbling off his leg and making jump passes from three-quarters court. You don't like the jump pass, Grant? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like Damask a lot. And he was not great yesterday, but he's been on the whole fantastic this year. I do think that it will be more beneficial for him, especially in late-game situations, to keep those fresh legs to not always be the guy bringing it up, not always be the guy doing booty ball. I think you can mix all these different weapons you have. And we saw yesterday, as you mentioned, Grant, that deep rotation didn't hurt you. And if anything, when you had, or when you called upon your big three to finish the game for you, they were fresh. This is from Chev. Chev Chelios. Any relation to Chris, I wonder? Coming off a historic collapse with so much to play for in late February, I don't understand how you let your effort be called into question. It's too late in the season to need uh, to, quote, send a message with gimmicky hockey substitution. Our team has all the pieces, but I expect more. Now, let's address this. It was a desperate move, but to Chev's point, why, why do we need to play that card in late February with a bunch of seniors and super seniors? Yeah. That's a valid question, a valid concern. You know, you won't be able to do that again. I mean, I guess you could. You could do the hockey substitution. But if you have to do that again, then that does not bode well for any indication of, oh, the Iowa game could be a turning point. And notice, I I haven't really said that much today because I don't know if that's the case. I don't believe it to be the case that, oh, all is well, turn the page, they figured it out. I don't think you can fix that mental component overnight or with one hockey substitution. I agree with Cheb there. I just hope that they innately find it in themselves. That I mean, guys, this is it. There's no tomorrow. When you get into the tournament, there is no tomorrow. Will they? I don't know. I, God, I hope so. And back to the likable or unlikable thing. There are likable pieces. The the players themselves are overall likable. So people were confused by that tweet. I get it. But I just don't find anything likable about a bunch of guys with their last opportunity not going out giving it everything they have. That sounds really hokey and meatball fanny. I get it. But how can that be remotely likable? 22 and 23-year-olds with one last go and they aren't playing balls to the wall defense. They aren't chasing that Big Ten crown, which, again, not my biggest priority, but you had a path and now you don't. Why? Because you weren't playing hard on defense. We can boil it down to that. And yeah, Underwood pissed me off too and that's why we called it bad Underwood on Wednesday because it was deserved. He sucked on Wednesday. They all sucked. But... Chev, if I'm trying to find a silver lining here, it is that they did respond yesterday. They got to keep responding. They got to show us that they can be a serviceable defense because I don't think we can ask for a good defense at this point. That might be a little bit too much, but they do have an elite offense. 
I mean, listen, if you're top 10 in the nation, you're, you're elite. And they have that. All right, from Teddy. No change. I'm still highly skeptical of this team's interior defense and capability to close out games. I thought yesterday was a good first step, but it is a bad Iowa group. I'm still concerned. You know, Teddy, even though Iowa had been winning games, they've looked bad at certain points this year. They didn't look bad yesterday, and you ask, okay, is it us? Is it them? But they have looked bad. And if I were to go to Ken Palm, what what is their thing on Ken Palm? They're 49th. You know, Ken Palm projects them to finish 17 and 14, under 500 in the Big Ten. They're 8 and 9 right now. They got Penn State at home, Northwestern on the road, Illinois at home. Yeah, so they predict them to win one of their last three games. And they do predict them to lose to Illinois in the last game of the year at Carver Hawkeye. But, yeah, are they great? No. It was just a bad bit of timing to play a really good offense after the choke job at Penn State. And that's where, Teddy, I'm encouraged by the last 10 minutes against that offense, what they did. From Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Just echoing others, and I've said this elsewhere, but the December and early January version of this team was mean to opponents and just bullied their way to victory. You felt invincible. And all all of that went back to their defense. Opponents got no easy shots. The ball was always getting stripped and blocked. No easy pass in the lane. We need it back. We do, Andrew. And I don't know if we're going to get back to that level. I don't know what got lost in translation. I really think the biggest thing, we got to talk about Quincy, which I was encouraged again by his first half. But man, if you get December Quincy back, you got a shot. If you don't, the questions about interior defense, about toughness and meanness on defense. And by the way, Ty was bad. Ty was bad yesterday. And this is after I was calling for Ty to play over Harmon. And Harmon was great. So again, kudos to Underwood. He read the room correctly yesterday in terms of who do you play. I thought against Penn State, you put Ty back out there because he was better than Harmon. Yesterday, he kept Harmon out there because Harmon was great. He was mean on defense. He was mean on the boards. He was mean attacking the rim. We need more of that meanness. And Quincy bringing that back, I think Andrew would be monumental. This is from Aaron. Illinois can beat anyone, but they have to consistently defend. Consistently defending is the stressful part because their offense is good enough to make a historic run. It is, Aaron. That's the thing. It is good enough to make that run. And I want to use an example here, and this is maybe from, I forget if Derek Piper or Mike Latulip was talking with Jeremy about this, but Miami last year. Let me make sure I get this right. Okay. Miami last year makes a Final Four run They had the 99th defense and the number six offense. 99th defense. I mean, Illinois is in the 50s and will probably finish around, when you got Purdue and Wisconsin and Iowa coming up, you're probably going to finish in the low 60s, right? You, You are not going to have metrically a great defense. But the offense, you look at Jim Laranega last year, he makes that sneaky run with Miami. And then they play Connecticut, and they lost Connecticut because, by the way, Connecticut's winning the national title. I mean, Jesus. Did it, they have the slip against Creighton, and then last night I turned on a little bit of that game against Villanova at home. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, they're extremely good and better than Purdue, I would think. But Purdue's probably going to make the Final Four as well, I think. But why not? I mean, come on. You, and I'm looking here. This Miami team, right? It's not as if they got all the breaks. Seating-wise, 
They beat Drake in the first round. They beat Indiana in the second. Okay, well, that's a pretty easy path to the Sweet 16. But then they played Houston. On Ken Palm last year, Houston was number two. They outscored them 89 to 75. And Houston's defense last year was elite as it always is. Texas, the next game, they beat them 88 to 81. So, and Texas was fifth in Ken Palm. That just goes to show that, yes, I guess sometimes an offense can carry you. It can. And, I mean, look at this, guys. All right, am I trying to find a path here? Last year, Miami, on February 25th, they played Florida State, 205th in Ken Palm. Awful Florida State team. They played them at home. They lost 85-84. to And it was a choke job of monumental proportions. And then, I mean, if you look at the graph here, win probability, it looks basically like the Penn State game for Illinois. What happens after that? Well, they sneak out a home win against Pittsburgh. They beat Wake Forest on a neutral site. They lose to Duke in the ACC tournament. And then they win four games in the row in the NCAA tournament. It can happen. Now, is it common? No. Without a good defense, it's not common. But it can happen. Uh, one other from Aaron here. Aaron, great stuff. Most encouraging part of yesterday was Underwood stop being so stubborn and predictable. Seeing him make a coaching move that changed the direction of the game is very encouraging. And uh, he continues that one of the best showing some Underwood in his time at Illinois clearly outcoached McCaffrey. And I would agree with that. You know, McCaffrey is a good coach that I think has been hamstrung by being overly systemic or systematic in terms of the kinds of guys he brings in. You're only going to have a chance if you have some elite talent. A chance for deep runs, I mean. Illinois has that. Iowa, other than Luca Garza and the Murray brothers, haven't always had that elite talent. This team is just a collection of Fran McCaffrey guys without that elite dude. If they had an elite dude, they would be a surefire NCAA tournament team. Don't know if that means they would win anything in the tournament, but... So we're going to end on positivity, right? And you might have... If you started this episode and you finished it and listened to the whole thing... You might be thinking, well, where is Carp exactly? I, I don't know where exactly I'm at. But I think I've settled on this. They can make a run, and now it's just a question of will they. They can, but will they? And, of course, there is luck, and there are intangible things that go into that as to whether they do or whether they don't. But looking at that Miami template from last year, it can happen. And when Miami needed to just, you know, toughen up on defense in the games that matter the most, they did. And they made a surprise Final Four run. I don't think people would be shocked if Illinois made a Final Four. There's pundits. I mean, even Field of 68, they, they still had a conversation, I think, earlier this week after Penn State that this Illinois team can make a run. And I'm, I wasn't feeling it then, and I don't know if I'm feeling it now, but I would agree that they still can. So it really comes down to the 22 and 23-year-olds on this team. The Harmons, the Quincy Guerriers, the TSJs, the Damas, the Coleman Hawkins, those five. If they all play well, this is a hard team to beat. If you look at the losses, there's usually a common denominator of two or three guys being bad. Not just okay, but bad. Harmon cost you that game against Penn State. Hawkins cost you that game. Quincy was a no-show. That's three, and you still put up 89, and you should have won it. So, God, if you just clean it up, there are a few teams that are as dangerous in that four line, which I'm assuming Illinois will finish in the four line. If you're a one seed, you don't necessarily want an Illinois in the Sweet 16 because they can drop 90 on you. But likewise, or on the other hand, I should say, a team could easily drop 90 in Illinois unless they 
decide, you know what, we aren't going to let that happen. And I do think they have the power within them to do that. All right. Oh, and also from Aaron, let's close out on this. A break in the draw for a change would really help. Yes, it would, Aaron. And uh, we will try to get you some details this week about a Selection Sunday special here in Champaign and have some fun with that, which is, what, is that two weeks away? It's three weeks away, so we still got time. But, yeah, we'll have some fun with that as well, and we will be very keenly watching the unveiling of whoever that five seed may be or, heck, who even the 13 seed would be because, again, I'm banking on a four. And it would be nice to look at it and think, hey, we got a path here because, you know what, last year, no. Arkansas and then maybe Kansas, that's not a path, not for that team. The year before that, oh, Houston, great. (laughs) Elite defense. And yeah, maybe you weren't the same as me, but when that Loyola name dropped, I thought, oh, God dang it. Here we go. How cute is that? Don't even get me started on Sister Jean. I'm sure she's a nice lady. I just don't want to see her on my TV when I'm watching my team play. All right. Listen, up and down podcast, positive, negative. We're reconciling all of it. Likeable, unlikable, God forbid. But <laughs> we are at a weird position right now with this team. Overall good, and I want in on one more thing. 20th win. First time since 2000 to 2007 that Illinois has had five consecutive 21 seasons. I will end on this. Brad Underwood is the long-term guy. I even tweeted that after Penn State. He is your guy. And I'm glad he's your guy. But it's that in-game stuff that worries you, right? But I'm not going to dismiss the fact that five straight 21 seasons, that means something. Five straight tournaments, because we'll count the one that you didn't get because of COVID, that means something. You are at a far, far, far better place than you were before, and I am so grateful for that. I don't want that to get misconstrued. So when criticism is levied, it's not criticism like, get Underwood the heck out of here. It's not that. It's called nuance. I like most of the things he does, but unfortunately... When things go bad, and you can pinpoint a few areas of weakness with him, which is what makes yesterday particularly encouraging, as I know some of you have said. He made a desperate move when it called for it. It paid off. We'll see if it resonates with this team, and hopefully he knows that if it comes down to it, he does have more depth available to him if certain guys are either checked out or not playing well on defense. That going forward, I hope, helps this team, and we'll find out Wednesday, which I think is a great opportunity to really show something and come out against a far less offensively talented, well, not far less, but a less offensively potent team in Minnesota that's been playing tough. Let's come out and answer the bell against them. If you do that, then I think you should feel pretty confident going into Wisconsin, which I just think is a good matchup for this team. All right, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them. Appreciate DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. And Owen Builders, LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Thank you for those who tuned in on this Sunday morning. And now it is time to enjoy the rest of your day. We're going to smoke some chicken. I'm going to have a cigar. I'm going to have my TV on in the garage and watch some college basketball. And just enjoy this early spring weather. 70 degrees the next two days. I mean, come on. This is absolutely perfect. But we will be back I believe Wednesday we'll do a second half pod. So take care, everybody. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Illinois with their 20th win of the season. Big Ten title, maybe not, but the bigger question looms. Can this team get right or get right enough before March Madness? I certainly hope so. And I think they can. We'll see. It is the 200 level. level.